It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Welcome back. It is your weekly installment of American Loser Live at a Shared Universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. I'm your host, K.P. Burke. I'm a middling road comic. At least I was until uh, comedy and life ended, pretty much. But anyway, uh, behind the ones and twos, as always, the Big Kahuna. How are you, pal? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm not bad. It's hot in this studio, so we're going to be diligent. We're going to give you a full episode, but we're going to get the hell out of here, too, eventually. That's right. We even did a lot of cocaine just to make sure that we get out of here <laughs> fast as we can. You know it. Speaking of cocaine, Larry Burke, how are you? Hey, we're all right. We're all right. So nice to be back here live in the studio rather than an offshore fishing troller uh, 15 miles out <laughs> It's true. Sea. It's true. It's true. That's good. But we're all good. We're all good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're not on uh, cocaine, although it might seem like it at some point here. Uh, we've been in the studio all day uh, over to Shared Universe. Mike and Ming take great care of us, as always. Our Patreon is up. The first episode is, is officially launched. I mean, what a, uh, I'm anticipating nothing short of a success on that. If you guys want to get in on that for $5 a month, that's it. A minimum of $5. You can donate more if you want. I appreciate you. But it is a monthly subscription, so please be aware of that. For $5, you do get a bonus episode of the show where we get to go a little bit extra deep, more deep, if you will, uh, where we can tackle uh, bigger topics on a larger scale. Uh, today, we have our regular weekly episode. These episodes are paid for by our Patreon members. So if you enjoy the show for the price of one large cold brew coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, you can help us keep this bad boy running. So this show was written originally before Governor Murphy shut the state of New Jersey down. And I am happy to announce that we are still... Um, doing the episode before he opens it back up. <laughs> so, um, Dad, you went on down to Florida, uh, literally did. the next day after uh, yep. we, our initial studio time, which I think we paid for and, and maybe uh, Ming forgot to honor. I don't recall. Who knows? Who knows? You know, we can't really tell. It all evens out and comes all comes out in the wash. Yeah, but if this is your first episode of the show that you're checking out, uh, we got a great one for you. The topic uh, of the show this week is going to be uh, uh, Mike Fink, King of the River, who's fascinating, Okay. But the show is called American Loser, and what we do is we tell uh, the stories of the people who kind of just come up short or kind of maybe legendary figures that meet uh, mysterious ends, maybe even uh, loserish ends, if you will. And sometimes we like to take a line in your history textbook in high school and actually explain it to you so you realize why it was important. History is boring because of you had bad teachers. That's why. All right? They're out there. They're out there. We're allowed to say there's bad teachers, right, Dad? Uh uh, I'll plead the fifth. I hear that's just him. That's the teachers' union forcing him years after retirement to still, you know, wave their flag. There are no bad teachers. There's only bad administrations. Ooh, okay. Ooh. I like that. Um, I don't give a damn about my bad administration. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is hot in here. We have been working the Kahuna overtime, so we're going to get uh, up and running right away. I often uh, joke about how I grew up a, a little bit off. We were not poor growing up. Uh, but we, we kind of had to keep the essentials mindset. So as kids, if you wanted entertainment, and my mom was amazing about this. This is why uh, uh, I continue to make you guys suffer through uh, my, my love of American history. Uh, mom would take us to not Blockbuster, not a comic book store, not the movies. Mom took us to the public library. There you go. Hey, okay. mine did too. See? And See, it, when I first moved out here, that was like my one of my favorite spots. It's a good it, – dude, the library was very important to me. There were two branches at the one that I grew up uh, – in the town I grew up in. And uh, my sister and I would go there, and it was like – it was mind-blowing. I saw my favorite movie of all time there, The Magnificent Seven. It was on VHS for free. Steve McQueen, Yul Brenner. That um, was the first time he saw The Magnificent Seven. I don't know what we're up to now. How many I, I now thousands? own it on, uh, on VHS, <laughs> Blu-ray, um, streaming, everything. I have the soundtrack. It was an important movie for me. Um, but anyway, one of my major obsessions as a kid, as you can recall, Dad – was this weird thing where sometimes I would grow up going to Grammy's house, your mom. I would go to her house, and I would play with my dad's old toys. That's a little bit of a trippy thing, you know? Well, they were still in the basement, so my it's, mother would throw out nothing. But uh, It's true. Still in, the toy, still in the toy box downstairs in the basement. Graham so. was a jewel that go way. Go for it. 
So uh, I would go downstairs and I'd be playing with these old musket-looking things or old Wild West shotguns and pistols and stuff like that. And because I was a bully, I'd force my sister to play with me too. Uh, and I got obsessed with a guy by the name of Davy Crockett. So I uh, got obsessed with him early on. And I remember um, there was a Disney series that was on him that we used to rent or, or take from the library, take out from the library, and then bring back. And I remember each, you know, there'd be a couple different VHSs you'd get excited about. And um, they put out this three-part series on Crockett that was a smash success. Uh, only problem is it ended at the Alamo. Okay, and I remember yeah, my mother. Davy Crockett's uh, end story uh, didn't—he didn't yeah. live to a ripe old age. Well, imagine you're a young kid and you're finding out about this legendary hero who seems to be able to um, overcome Native American wars. He's taken down bears. Uh, I mean, he, there's nobody that he can't beat, pretty much in this series. The King of the Wild Frontier is the one I'm talking about, which I believe is available on Disney Plus now. So if you do want to watch I'm that, sure. you drunk one night or something like that, put it on. Fess Parker. Uh, but as a little kid, I remember my mom having to have the first uh, of, I'm sure there's tons of difficult conversations that parents have to have with their kids. But one of them was when I asked my mom, Mom, uh, we got to get the next copy of the Davy tape because I got to see how he wins the Alamo. And mom goes, oh, hey, dad's home. <laughs> <laughs> You so, explain no it to him. <laughs> so I had to find out because the way that that ends, it ends with Davy Crockett being one of the last men standing at the Alamo, which, by the way, is considered historically accurate. Wait, which version of this is, is it? This is the Disney version. Oh, Fest I Park. know exactly how that. Yeah. So he's got Brown Bess in his hands, and he's swinging as the, the Mexican troops under Santa Ana are coming up the stairs of the Alamo. His Native American friend is dead. His buddy that starts the, the journey with him dies. Davy does not die on camera. It's him swinging his musket, and then the theme song plays, and then they show the flag of Texas. And they, they, the, I didn't understand what was happening, so I was just like, oh, man, I can't wait to see part two of this. And uh, yeah, spoiler alert, there's no part two. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that was a, a difficult conversation. Um, but here's the other difficult thing. Imagine you're Disney, and you've got a smash hit of a show Okay, about Davy Crockett, but you killed him in the uh, the original run of the show. Right. So now you have no opportunity for. There's a reason you can't kill Iron Man in the first uh, superhero movie. You know what I mean? They had to wait. Spoiler alert: I don't care. Um, yeah, that was uh, you know 1950s. Uh, Disney runs this. I think it was a th a three part uh, uh, episode kind of a thing for right. Davy Crockett. A huge, a huge success for Disney. Uh, the Davy Crockett phenomenon is all over the place and every kid Alamo had, battle sets yeah Adam Alamo battle sets I mean everybody had to have a coonskin cap because you know that was uh, the false uh, impression that was spun that Davy Crockett always mm -hmm. wore a coonskin cap that was not historically accurate but that's all right if the, if the story's more interesting than the real life go with the story right? exactly that's so, the old Liberty Valance adage right right, right. so um, yeah I mean it, it, you you had to have a uh, a coonskin cap to be a part of that, and I mean probably downstairs in my mother's basement. I don't know if you came across the Davy Crockett lunchbox because uh, <laughs> couldn't go to grammar school, couldn't go to elementary school without your Davy Crockett lunchbox. It hurts me that my timing has always been off in life because I don't chase things when I should chase them. I wait until I'm frustrated enough to chase them. <laughs> okay, so that example is no more apparent than the idea that. We have so much shit at the house that the boys on Comic Book Men would have bought from us. And we would have gotten TV credits out of it. But we decided to wait until the show got put on hiatus and then no longer renewed before we made friends with Mike and Ming. So who are the stars of that very show, mind you? But, um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff in there. I got some shit I do want to bring down to the, uh, the Secret Stash in Red Bank one of these days. But uh, the imaginative world of Disney does a very good pivot here. And I think Kahuna will love this one particular part of it. If you can't have a sequel, what do you make instead? Remake? No, close. You're, you're thinking in the modern sense, which I, I respect. Oh, uh, a spinoff. A spinoff? Close, close. Prequel. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, we told the Lord of the Rings and we killed all the main characters or, or gave them you know, endings on high notes. So let's do The Hobbit now, right? Which technically came out first, I think. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to come up with uh, Davy's adventures before he makes it out to the Alamo, one of them being Davy Crockett and the Keelboat Race, 
also known as Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. Okay, so in order to get to this, the star, one of the, the, the rival stars, if you will, a major character of the River Pirates, was a true-life guy who we're going to blend. He's half tall tale. He's half real life. He's got a little, you're going to see there's some, some pro wrestling references we're going to have to make here. The best character, the larger than life, intentionally, mind you, was uh, of these riverboat uh, pirates and these keelboat racers, was a man by the name of Mike Fink. So go ahead, LP. You know I need it. Mike Fink. Mike Fink, king of the river. <laughs> <laughs> he is part pro wrestler, part pirate, total badass, and today's loser, Mike Fink. So very briefly here, and LP, jump in whenever you got something. Sure, all right. We did very little. Uh, there's not a whole lot of story on him, okay? But what we do know is it reads like is someone mess- it, it reads like Teddy Roosevelt's biography where you're like oh clearly the Wikipedia trolls got in here oh wait he did drink a gallon of coffee a day okay um, <laughs> you're right we did a little detective work to separate some facts from some fiction yeah I mean some stuff that you think oh that's got to be BS well when you start doing a scratching a little deeper mm-hmm. yeah that was that part of it was true oh wow so I mean he's like semi legendary that uh, you know he's a he's a brawler he's by trade, he's a keelboat man, which we'll get into a little bit later. Oh, yeah, on. I'll throw to you for that. And, and we're also in it. We should really give the listeners a time frame that we're not exactly sure when he was born, but it's like maybe 1770, 1780, somewhere in there. Uh, and he goes out of the picture somewhere around 1823. So we're, you know, post revolutionary war. Um, America is looking to expand out into the out into the west what was the frontier at that point is pretty much uh, the mississippi river is the the western frontier so um we need an audio drop for when he sets the zeitgeist maybe maybe we can do it to donna <laughs> summer's hot stuff talking about the zeitgeist waiting to see me just keep going i'm loving it <laughs> no that's all, that's all you know we're, you can take it from there i'm just trying to give the listeners what the time frame is because oh, da- yeah. davy crockett i mean if he he ends Davy Crockett ends his life at the Alamo. That's um, the war for independence from Texas. It's not the Mexican American War. It's before that. So we're, yeah, the Mexican American War. That's when Cinco de Mayo comes in. As yeah. <laughs> listen to the show. We'll teach you some shit. Right. <laughs> right. Just to try to keep things square here, that uh, there's been a lot of back and forth uh, with Texas and, and Mexico, but. Uh, that's where Davy uh, ends his life at the Alamo, but that wasn't the Mexican-American War. That was the war for independence from of Texas from Mexico. The U.S. wasn't, uh, you know, officially involved just yet. But anyhow, we got Mike Fink uh, plying his trade up and down the uh, up and down the river. Uh, water tra- uh, transportation of goods and people. Uh, the best way of doing that is by water. Um, steam uh, locomotion has not really come into play just yet it's about to but um you know we're 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 digging canals because again the best way of moving goods and material is uh by water so right if you want to if you want to open up the west one of the big things was the the erie canal going across uh, new york state that was allowing people to go further and further west that was really the, the the heyday if you will of uh riverboat trade so now you got riverboat pirates who, for um, a pop culture reference that'll kind of help people out, uh, Han Solo in Star Wars is a smuggler, right? So he's a, a starship pilot. So if you're a pilot on a riverboat and you're a little bit of a, you're open for business kind of a thing in a uh, uh, ethically ambiguous way, then that would kind of be the guy that we're going to talk about here. But Yeah, but we've seen that play out in the bad way. I mean, look at the Sultana. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Also true. Right. Um, another loser. Great, there. great callback to yeah. another episode, right. Cones. Um, yeah, like, and I, know I don't my think. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Mike was so much the pirate, but he was, uh, you know, um, a businessman that would take on wherever cargo might present itself. See, I think KP had it on the money with the Han Solo comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he's a good. It, it's good. Everything is good. The guy's complicated. But we're going to start off with an idea of this. So America is uh, uh, obviously it's a diverse place. You had German immigrants that were arriving. You had the Dutch that were here. You had the British. You had the Spanish down south. And then you had the French uh, who were more so in uh, Canada. And then come. But you have all those people blending together then trying to talk with Native Americans. Where does this American accent come from? 
right? So it's kind of weird that it goes from, oh, yes, the king's English to, uh, yo, you guys need to shut your fucking traps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a blend. It's a blend. It happens slowly, but there's Americanizations of, uh, of different names here. So our little detective work has proven to us that Mike Fink was uh, born uh, Mish Fink, M-I-C-H-E-P-H-I-N-K-E. Uh, he also was known as Bangall, uh, also known as the Snapping Turtle. The guy is a wild dude. And uh, like many losers of the past, we have no date of birth for Mike. So he's kind of hard to, to – he is a true person. He's absolutely a true person. But he has taken on this tall tale kind of a vibe too. Yeah, he's, so he's a kind of a quasi. Uh, it's like legend, tracking down right. Paul Bunyan. Right, right. <laughs> so, uh, born in Fort Pitt, aka Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he spent his teenage years working as a scout uh, for like local cavalry and maybe hunting parties, stuff like that. He could shoot the shit out of a rifle. That's where the nickname Bangall comes from. Uh, thank God, because we we were nervous about that nickname when we were <laughs> really? like, "What, are, what was this guy up to?" How do you get a handle like that? That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> There's a certain scene from Super Troopers that terrified me immediately. That Kahuna Kahuna got he got right away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the funniest man. scene in the whole movie. <laughs> but uh, so good old uh, Mike Fink is earning a reputation early on as a good shot. And uh, once the native wars are over with the tribes in, uh, in Pennsylvania, who, by the way, what's a natural barrier, Dad, that the natives are going to seek refuge beyond? Mm-hmm. Because the 13 colonies are not exactly, you know, we're in a, like a, um, it depends on what president you're looking at for their, their foreign policy. Um, right. Well, that was a constantly rolling thing. We're constantly trying to push the uh, Native Americans further west, further west. I mean, and the Mississippi River became a huge <laughs> a huge water barrier that you you got to have something together to get across the Mississippi. If you've never seen the Mississippi River, <laughs> it's the you know the father of all waters, uh, as Abe Lincoln called it. That uh, uh, you have to have something pretty special to get across uh, the Mississippi, which but, is wild, right? You know, th- there's like a a space thing or a natural barrier. It, it's it's definitely not something to be taken lightly. So that being said. Um, he is, uh, these guys get pushed, um, across the river for the most part. And that's that weird thing where America has foreign policy on the other side of the river. Cause we don't have what's not considered domestic yet, even though it's part of our continent and eventually gets absorbed into the country. Right. So, and, and Mike, you know, early on, he was a scout. I mean, there was still fighting, uh, Native Americans at that particular point in that area. So we're talking about Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania being pretty much on the frontier. Um, so he's. Uh, then finally going into the transport business, uh, primarily up and down the Ohio River and then uh, also the Mississippi River. So, um, again, the Mississippi, you can go from north to south and end up in New Orleans, uh, which is an entirely different culture within New Orleans. And, again, that goes back to you know pre-revolutionary days when there was these Acadians, these French-speaking peoples, up in Canada that are now um, s- displaced by the British. When and if you want a song for that, by the way, the band, as in Levon Helm and the boys, right. do a song called Acadian Driftwood right. that tells their entire story, okay? And then also, for added effect, halfway through, switches from English to French. To, okay. To accurately, yep. And that's my one of my favorite songs by them. So continue. No, I mean, and then, so we have this whole... F- French uh, Canadian influence going down into uh, Louisiana, down because um, New Orleans at that particular point was still uh, a French possession, or early on was a French possession. Um, so they're taking the French out of Canada and sending them down to Louisiana, and the Acadians were anglicized to become Cajuns. So I mean the whole. Cajun culture in Louisiana really had its start up in Canada. So, you know, it's uh, Because it's Louisiana was okay with the Catholics. Comes back to yep. Catholics, Protestants being Sunni Shiites. Well, <laughs> there you go. There um, you go. Now, these native wars are over for the most part in the Pittsburgh area. So that leaves our boy Mike Fink with a choice now. So he's, rep- he's working as a scout. He's a damn good rifleman. Is this guy going to go live the quiet life of a farmer or is he going to keep on looking for adventures? Adventure. Adventure, indeed. Fink is going to head out west to Ohio and begins working the old transport business. Uh, his uh, his ship could make the Carillion run in a sparsec or whatever it is that they say. 
Kahuna just got mad at me for getting Star Wars references wrong. No, it's a, no, that one's okay because I don't even know what it is. I was just like, of course. I was just like, of course he was going to make that fucking reference. I knew it. I, I, like, I, 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 I force sensed it. Sword I, I don't dislike Star Wars, but Star Wars never uh, – I had my phase with it, and then it didn't stick with me into adulthood outside of Han Solo because Harrison Ford is the man. Um, but uh, he's yeah, working his, yeah, he's working his transport business now on the Mississippi and the Ohio rivers. This will probably be the last time that we fully extend – the proper pronunciation of Mississippi. We're going to start referring to it as what the boys called it back in the day, which is what, Dad? Go for it. The mighty Mississippi. The mighty Mississippi, right. So You're going to abbreviate Mississippi and just the Mississippi. Yeah. Now, there's no you know, Millennium Falcons here for them to be operating on. There's no Starship Enterprises. Um, there is going – there's no Sultanas just yet. Um, they're going to be operating what is known as a keelboat. And can you please succinctly – we do got to get Kahuna out of here before he changes T-shirts again. Um, I'm starting to sweat too, buddy. You will be out of here on time. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. Ming air conditioning. Um, <laughs> we had the air conditioning on the third floor that was so loud we had to turn it off during episodes. And then we get to the fifth floor now, and there's nothing. Moving on up to hell. <laughs> there you go. Well, LP, keelboats. The, the, the um, mode of transportation for bringing up large amounts of goods or something called a keelboat. Uh, it was first used by the fur trappers. Um, you know, at this particular time period, too, the fur trade is huge. That's a, a, a huge financial uh, revenue stream. Um, that's why you got all these mountain men going out and trapping. Uh, beaver pelts or fur is, is part of the whole um, uh, hat industry. Um, the uh, it's a it's a huge money maker. So people would go out west really just to trap furs and, and to start farms and this kind of stuff. But the mode of transportation are going to be keelboats. Uh, they're long, they're narrow, and they have a, a shallow draft. So um, they can t- they can go into some of the backwaters, some of these side tributaries of the Mississippi. Because um, you got a lot of changes in depth on the river, right? Yeah, and, and current changes and the way the Mississippi uh, runs. It's not a true you know, straight shot south, north to south. There's all kinds of bends in the river. It's constantly changing, different currents, different streams, islands pop up. Uh, it's not an easy river to navigate. Um, but these things have a, a shallow draft. These keelboats, they have a shallow draft. And if you're taking farmers' goods or furs or whatever the trade goods might have been from uh, you know north up in uh, the Ohio area, if you will, and you want to bring it down to a major port like New Orleans at the at the end of the Mississippi, you're going to be doing it in one of these things. They're usually well, they would vary anywhere between uh, 40 and 80 feet long and uh, 15 to 20 feet across. Um, now, when you're going downstream. That's easy. I mean, just pretty much you're going with the flow. The, the river's flowing from north to south. Just so like our whitewater rafting trips <laughs> with the Boy Scouts. There you go. <laughs> you can go with the flow here and uh, pretty much just going to have to uh, steer the thing um, because the, the mighty Mississippi is always flowing. It's not going to go into shallow waters, too, or, or into calm waters. Um, the trick is the keelboats were designed— um, to back, come back up river again. I mean, if you're in the transport business, the idea is, oh, well, maybe I can pick up some goods when I'm down south in, in New Orleans and bring stuff back up to what people want to buy further north. Um, you know, oftentimes the trip would be a one-way thing, that you would ride down the Mississippi fully loaded and come back empty just to be able to come up with, you know, another full cargo to bring it back down again. The difficult part is when you want to come back upriver. Um, that's where the keel boats were different than just the flat-bottomed barges. That a flat-bottomed uh, barge or raft uh, wouldn't be impossible to bring it back upriver again. So that was a, a one-way a one-way trip on a on a flat-bottomed boat. But with at least a keel boat, um, you call that s- a Missouri boat ride. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, little little reference to. Uh, Mr. Clint Eastwood. Um, the construction of the keelboat, it was a, a relatively large financial outlay. 
you're talking about maybe two thousand to three thousand dollars to build the thing. But Pits- there's so much. Con- Imagine having the first car to operate on the only highway. That's that's the thing right. I want to try to explain right. to the listeners. Right. Um, to give you some kind of a comparison, what a research I found was that uh, it might cost you two thousand to three thousand dollars to build one of these. Pittsburgh was famous for the construction of the of these keel boats. It was a major manufacturing area of that. The time gold would be have a value of about twenty dollars an ounce. So it gives you kind of a cost comparison there of uh, what this thing was. The difficult part is coming back upstream again. So now you're fighting the current of the Mississippi rather than riding with it. And keelboats, there were no engines, there were no motors. You're coming back upstream by muscle power. So if you're a keelboat man, you're you're sturdy stock. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, no, you're nobody to... Uh, to uh, this would be you, me, and Kahuna. That would be... We'd be able to... We're, we're built. We got the upper body stuff. Yeah, for, we, we'd last maybe for the first half mile. But, uh, <laughs> um, there was a couple different ways they could do that. They would have poles that if you're in shallow water, if you're hanging near the shoreline, um, you could stick uh, poles down into the water and kind of push... Now, you might have 20 to 30 guys on one of these 70-foot uh, uh, long keelboats that you would stick your pole in the water while you're standing at the bow, at the front of the boat, and then walk down the side of the boat pushing on this pole the whole time till you get to the, to the stern of the, or the back end of the boat pull your pole back out of the water and walk up to the front. Meanwhile, you're doing so this. So no paddles. Those. I mean, there's paddles, but you're not. There's paddles. Yeah, but the there's a whole other move. The paddle, a thing this big, you're not, it's not like you're paddling a canoe. You're paddling some 70-foot long thing with perhaps a 15 to 20-foot wide thing. That you're, you know, your resistance to the water is not, not going uh, to propel you. So you could move it upstream with a pole. Um, Sometimes if the water was too deep that you couldn't set the poles down into the water, the water's too deep for that to happen, then they would have to go with something called cordling. Now, cordling is a cable or a rope that might be 300 yards long that you would send somebody over the side. They would come up onto the shore carrying this. This You'd have to have a rifle on your back because you still might be attacked by Indians or who knows what. Yeah, imagine a, a swim meet where at the very end of it, it's a paintball game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're carrying this 300-foot-long uh, uh, rope, sturdy rope, up the side you're going through, the thickets you're going through, the brush you're going through, sinkholes and everything else. You would tie this thing off to a sturdy tree or whatever you could find, and now the guys back on the boat are pulling on this rope to propel the thing upstream again. Jesus. A really good crew, a really good crew, um, on an average day would maybe make 15 miles. And then, you know, up in the morning and you're, you're back on the job again. So uh, 15 cousin miles. Cousin Greg bikes 15 miles <laughs> yeah, a day. Yeah, 15 so. miles a day, uh, and you're going the length of the Mississippi. Uh, you're, it's, not, it's not an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. And you're dealing with a, a rough and tumble lot to be, to be polite. That you know, this was not something uh, for no wimps. Wimps need not apply. Uh, now, <laughs> so of course, when you attract a bunch of alpha males to something like this, there's going to be a little bit of uh, uh, you're going to have um, some pissing contests, if you will. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I've been again. We've covered it. I was in the Navy. And I've been in a room with special warfare operators, EOD guys. I know a couple SEALs, stuff like that. Um, they're cool guys, man. They really are. They're very laid-back dudes. Um, and then for some reason, it would be like Army guys would always be the ones that were, were quick to you know remind you. Or, or Marines. We always make fun of the Marines. They're, they're definitely badasses. They are first in the fight for a reason. But um, uh, Marines are almost like vegans where it's going to – They'll tell you. Yeah, you don't find <laughs> out. You know, they, they – it's it comes out. Well, you know, back in my time with the Marines, we were – oh, can, can I please just finish wiping my ass? Um, it's uh, – Fink seemed to cause commotion wherever he went. Um, he earned a little bit of a reputation, a lot of new nicknames all the time. Fink's reputation for our listeners would be uh, kind of a mixture between Ric Flair meets Chuck Norris. Okay, Uh, he was rumored to be over six feet tall. So that's tall today. Um, 
Or, it's real or, tall back then. Yeah, real tall back then. Uh, six feet tall today is still considered tall, or uh, according to some terrible women, the only acceptable height to flirt with online. So I say that as a man who's 5'9", five, 5'10 five, in heels. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I, I found that uh, he was probably maybe like six foot three. Um, How so tall are you? I'm 6'1". Six, 6'1". One. Six, one. is 6'4". All right, so... Yeah, so you know he's you that, he's, he's a big guy, and he's a, for those times, um, he's even you know has greater stature, if you will, by his size alone. That uh, and he was he was big on the practical jokes too. That uh, you know he, funny dude. He didn't antagonize people. To uh, he was all about being the brawler. Um, I got he, a pretty good of his. Uh, I, I have one of his quotes here, which. Um, this is worth mentioning. So he's he's a fighting weight of about 180 pounds. And like you said earlier, Dad, thanks to his day job out on the river, this dude was in shape. Yeah. This was CrossFit before CrossFit, man. Okay? <laughs> so he's a ripped dude. He likes fighting, drinking, practical jokes. He was rumored to have been able to drink a gallon of whiskey and still shoot the, uh, this is their verbiage, not mine, the tail off a hog at 90 paces. So... Um, there's, so an American badass. Yeah, a, a future loser, and he's not a loser at all. He's just a loser in the sense that he, he his how his downfall went. But the guy who created SEAL Team Six would have loved Mike Fink. He's he's half Mike Fink himself, the guy. So we'll cover him in another episode. But drunk shooting oddly plays a role in Fink's downfall. So uh, here we go, real quick. You want you want a, a wrestling promo? Right, this guy's go. got a wrestling promo. Ladies Ex- and gentlemen. So close, you are not even exaggerating. Ready for this? The redoubtable but semi-mythical Mike Fink, joker, fighter, and king of the boatmen, would voice his sentiments of his class when he bellowed the following boast. <clears throat> I'm going to have to go Ric Flair on this. I'm a salt river roarer, a ring-tailed squealer. I'm a regular screamer of the old Mississippi. Whoop. I'm the very infant that refused his milk before its eyes were open and called for a bottle of the old rye. So I'm not going to drink milk from my mother's breast. <laughs> I'm looking for whiskey. All right. I'm a regular screamer. That's a wild one, too. Uh, let's see. Uh, I love the women, and I'm chock full of fight. I'm half wild horse and half cockeyed alligator, and the rest of me is crooked. Snags a red-hot snapping turtle. Uh, I can hit like fourth-proof lightning, and every lick I make in the woods lets in an acre of old sunshine. So uh, I can outrun, outjump, outshoot, outbrag, outdrink, outfight, rough and tumble, no holds barred, any man on any side of the river from Pittsburgh to New Orleans and back again to St. Louis. Come on, you flatters. You bargers, you milk-white mechanics, and see how tough I am to chaw. I ain't had a fight for two days, and I'm spiling for exercise. Cock-a-doodle-doo, jet-flying, limousine-riding, the 16-time champion, Ric Flair. Woo! Oh, my God. Dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm so fucking tired from the heat. I thought that last part was part of it, and I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) But holy crap. Now I know who my casting couch is. Shit. I can't wait, dude, because casting couch will be the thing that we send us out on. And as we told you, we will get you out of here on time. Dude, right. don't keep worry. It, keep it rolling. We're fun, man. Rolling. We're fun. So he's got Ric Flair-type attitude to him. He's got a, a, a Hulk Hogan body to him. This guy does what he wants. He drinks like Stone Cold, looks like Hogan, talks like Flair. Okay? That is, that's not supposed to happen. Fink is also a damn good shot. So he's got a little Chris Kyle American sniper to him. He would often be awarded first place prizes in the local shooting competitions before they began. Right, because they knew if if Fink is here, there's no reason to even compete. Yeah. So they it got to the point where when Fink showed up, they would just, all right, you're not allowed to come into the competition. It's like when Larry Bird walked into the locker room during the All-Star game for the three-point competition, looked around the locker room and goes, which one of you motherfuckers is coming in second? <laughs> uh, then he won the shooting competition with his uh, warm-up jacket still on. Uh, yeah, Larry was a legend, no doubt about it. So, um, When the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, says you're great, then that's when you know you're great. Um, so I thought it would be mentioned here that another reason, Dad, that they would give the award out to Mike Fink was that um, the locals feared that if Mike didn't get the top prize... Uh, he would then try to win all the other prizes, too, where he would then 
uh, he'd, he'd win the first round of it, then he'd make sure he won the second and the third so that nobody else could even come. Nobody come home with anything. Right. So he's kind of that dickhead kid at the arcade <laughs> that puts his initials on every, you know, every Mortal Kombat level at the end of it. It's, uh, so when you see Mike Fink on an arcade game, you'll know that the mighty king of the Mississippi right. came by to see you. Um, interestingly enough, there's a couple of cool drawings. Uh, these were made after his death because Mike takes on, Mike was a legend in his own time, but the legend grew exponentially uh, after he passed away. So uh, he has a, a hell of a shot. There's a sketch drawing uh, that was made again after he died by an, uh, an artist named Thomas Bangs Thorpe. And he shows Fink aiming his rifle from a keelboat, okay, that my father explained how a keelboat's moving. That's a moving target, a, a moving... Moving uh, uh, shooting, shooting stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, assume the position, but the position never is assumed. Um, and the Native Americans are standing out on the bank of the river. And uh, the story goes that Mike Fink shot the scalp lock, not the scalp of the person, but a scalp lock uh, off of one of the natives. So a scalp lock, obviously scalping, it was part of Native American culture out on the frontier. And what they would do is it would be a sign of uh, your um, combat ability if you had many scalps, right? And they would usually wear them. So. Let's say for the sake of this story that uh, the scalp was being held on the belt of one of these Native Americans. So Mike Fink's keelboat is rolling down the Mississippi, and he looks over and sees a couple Native Americans standing, and he can tell they're tough guys because this one guy's got a couple of scalps on his belt. And Mike Fink goes, bet you I can shoot this guy's prize. I bet you, the modern equivalent would be, I bet you that I could shoot the Hells Angels patch off that guy's jacket. <laughs> All right, and the dude goes ahead and does it. <laughs> right. So, and then there's another wild story, Dad. Do you Are you familiar with this one? About his, uh, he was actually locked up for this one. Um, about the Native, I'm sorry, the yes. uh, African-American slave. Right. You want to tell that one? Uh, there's, uh, he's going down river and he looks upon a Native American uh Afri I'm sorry, African-American slave sitting on the side of the uh, river, just kind of dozing under a tree type of a thing. And this particular uh, African-American slave was from a particular uh, tribe in Africa that had um, um, feet where the heel of your foot would protrude f further back than what we would consider normal, that it's almost like your leg is centered over your foot that you've got as much in front of your in front of you as you do in back of you well mike looks upon this and later says well i that was upsetting to my eye to see this see this this so poor guy <laughs> he pr proceeds to shoot the heel off uh, off of this uh slave on the side of the river uh he's charged with that and brought in and uh he was um you know, found guilty of, of that of that crime, but really served nothing. I don't but he admitted it. That's the yeah, craziest he admitted part. It. He admitted it. Yeah, he and, said, and it was just it. upsetting to his eye to see this poor deformed uh, person on the side of the river. So he decided he was going to do a little shooting with surgical precision and cut the cut the heel off of this guy. So Kahuna, imagine you had a weird shaped foot, okay. and this guy shoots the heel off of your foot, so that now. Like this guy, and I don't know if he was asked to do so, by the way. No, no, he wasn't asked. <laughs> Mike, with again, surgical precision, takes this shot, right, and shoots off the back of this guy's foot. And he goes, Well, I did him a favor, really, Your Honor, because uh, now he can wear shoes. <laughs> yeah, so his whole thing was like, The guy couldn't get a good fit in shoes, so I took care of that little uh, abnormality for him. So, an example, I had a big wart on my knee as a kid. And we went to a dermatologist who burned it off with, uh, uh, what was it, liquid nitrogen. Right. right. And I had to go for a bunch of different. Now, imagine that uh, uh, I'm on my way into the dermatologist's office, and all of a sudden we hear a gunshot ring out. And Mike <laughs> Fink goes, thank me on your copay. <laughs> Mike Fink, king of the river. Woo! <laughs> so uh, Fink literally, after, he got arrested for this, got away with it, uh, but it called himself a good Samaritan for the kind act of shooting a chunk of a guy's foot off. So, as you can tell, he's a bit of a pisser, Cahoons. Um, Just a little bit. Well, this is... What are the fun games you like to um, play with your friends whenever you guys are uh, maybe hanging out, drinking a couple of alcoholic beverages, Kahuna? Uh, 
That's a good question because we mainly just sit and drink. That's right. No, no but, games needed, right? No games needed. Uh, I don't know. Uh, catch every once in a blue moon. Uh, frisbee golf. I know that sounds really. Oh, I know. I like that. Because uh, that's, that's about it. I grew up. Most of my early oh. drinking was done in the woods of a Boy Scout camp. <laughs> oh, come on. This Scout. is a good one. Do not recommend at home, Sunquist family. But uh, yeah. drunk kickball is great. <laughs> Oof. Swing and a miss. <laughs> I got uh, I got over a month, and we're coming up on five. Yeah, I think like thirty something days without a drink. But if I do decide to imbibe again, perhaps kickball will be involved. Um, Don't even get me started with dodgeball. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Uh, it's a uh, well, a, a fun game for Mike Fink when he was drinking. And keep in mind, the guy said he could drink a gallon of whiskey in one shot. Um, he had a fun game he would play, where he would place a cup of whiskey on his friends' heads. And uh, a la William Tell, shoot the cup off. Okay. <laughs> he also would do this. Uh, he was known for having uh, his woman with him a lot. And the woman was uh, part of the act that she would have uh, almost on a regular basis a cup of whiskey shot off of her head. At some point, she just got bored with it, I'm sure, too. You know, once you do something enough, to, it's exposure kind of a deal. Yeah, but, and you say woman. Mike was also no- noted for having... Many female acquaintances. That, oh yeah, uh, he wasn't the Marion type, but wherever he went, uh, you know, he was uh, he was the guy going after the going after the skirts. Oh yeah, he was a chaser for sure. And again, the way that his job was, he was. Uh, I mean, the Allman Brothers said it best. Uh, he was born a rambling man. That's right. So um, fascinating guy. As it continues, though, in this game that he likes to play with these shooting cups, he's drawing a crowd while he does it. Okay, so people want to gather and like, no, today's the day he misses, that kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and more drinking that went on, the the greater the, the challenge. And he would not only do it to somebody, you know, just happened to say it, but along with some of the guys that he was keelboating with. So mm-hmm. he's part of his crew, some of his best friends, if you will, a good night drinking. What's the best way to end a good night drinking? Well, how about you go over there, put a cup of whiskey on your head, and I'll shoot it off. And then he would return the favor. So one of his buddies, one of his drinking buddies, would shoot the, the cup of whiskey mm-hmm. off of Mike's head. So that was just that was just a good night, uh, good night's fun. It's the truth on that one. And, uh, again, it's got to be concerning uh, at some point because if you're shooting your own – A, you're going to lose your friend if it's your friend that's got the cup. You're going to lose your girlfriend if she's the one with the cup on your head. <laughs> what about one of your crewmen? And now you can't get you know shit going tomorrow, so that's no good anywhere. But uh, – Anyway, as we're uh, continuing to wrap up on the the ridiculous story of this guy, oh, um, I just uh, looking him up online. I actually just found, uh, I actually just found out his uh, his nickname that I didn't know about. Which one? It's uh, he was also known as Mad Dog Tannen, and uh, and he lived in Hill Valley, California, where he met up with uh, Doctor Emmett Brown. <laughs> Mad Dog, not bad, dude. That's a, a very quality Back to the Future reference uh, for those who don't know. Um, we are going to wrap up here. I think somebody else is coming into the studio. So, uh, so. we're uh, we're at the 42-minute mark on this one anyway. we still got to wrap up, still got to do a casting couch. But we got to tell you about when Mike Fink's luck finally ran out. You want to know why you're an American loser? I think this story is going to tell you pretty easily. Um, in wild confrontations that have been the subject of multiple Disney movies and dozens of tall tales, Davy Crockett himself is said to have met and described Mike Fink as half man, half alligator. Okay, so that that is supposedly true that the two of them did meet. Um, and there's a very funny thing when it's um, Mike Fink shows up in the, the the Disney version, and he's literally singing on the river. Yeah, yeah. And his crew is singing along with him. It's like it's very homoerotic. <laughs> but um, as they're they're wheeling in, uh, getting towards everything, he's singing, "I'm Mike Fink, king of the river." And then he hops off his boat, and uh, what was the name of the, the boat? Uh, um, gully Wump. The Gully Wumper, yeah. So uh, he pops off the Gully Wumper, and then as one man pulls the boat up onto uh, uh, the shore, which is insane. That That's clearly done as like a, uh, a Hercules-Samson-type effort. And um, they have Davy Crockett uh, and his buddy coming up to him to meet him. 
and he's sitting there. He goes, oh, Mike, he wants to know who I am. You don't know about Mike Fink? And then uh, his buddy goes to him. He goes, uh, well, this here is Davy Crockett. And all of a sudden you see Mike Fink go, um, all right, well, uh, you know. Uh. <laughs> so these two big swinging dicks are now meeting. And supposedly that was a true story. But Fink's wild ways does make him the subject of these dime store novels uh, and eventually a Disney ride known as Mike Fink's Keelboats over in Disney. No yeah. way. True yeah. story. Disney ride based off a guy who was a, a booze hound. <laughs> eh, it's not surprising. So here we go towards Fink's um, actual um, end, if you will. And uh, it's still up for debate. And, Dad, jump in when you have something. Uh, some say that he died in a drunken fight while a part of Ashley's expedition. Okay, which was a, a very famous uh, uh, fur trading expedition. You know what? I got to make an observation here, real quick. So, Chris, the other sound engineer, who's a fantastic guy and was on our Black Bard episode, just good dude, uh, talented musician, um, he showed up a second ago, knocked on the door, and, uh, you know, just casually waved to us. And now he's in the other room, and all of a sudden the air conditioning's working, Kahuna. No, it ain't. <laughs> no, it ain't. I can hear. I can feel it. Yeah. Bullshit. Um, I'm telling you, man. It's uh, Somebody knew what switched the flip. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I don't want to be a jerk. Um, too late. But yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he is <laughs> too late. Hit me, LP. No, he is, he is hired by uh, this guy, Ashley. And now there was a famous uh, expedition, if you will, Ashley's 100, that this guy, William uh, Ashley, hires 100 of the best um, trappers, Indian fighters, keelboat men, and everything else that they were making this expedition. And it was a, a financial venture. They were going to go out west to um, bring back some of the natural resources, namely furs and that type of a thing. Some of the people that were part of Ashley's 100, um, we do have a loose reception there as well, That uh, one of which was uh, Jedediah Smith that uh, some of the listeners might recall Jedediah Smith and then it was another famous guy uh, from the old west if you will Jim Bridger and Jim Bridger Let's see if Kahuna figures this one out Jim Bridger. Bridger then went later on to start his own little outpost uh, along the Oregon Trail uh, Fort Bridger um, I'll where... give you a hint Kahuna <laughs> you look delicious <laughs> where uh, yeah. oh the Donner Party <laughs> <laughs> that the uh, the Donner Party had to make a decision once they reached Fort Bridger as to which trail they were going to take. But, uh, yeah, there was a couple of loose receptions there. But um, it was rumored that uh, while Mike Fink is on this expedition with Ashley's 100, um, that during the expedition, um, some say that there was a drunken argument that was going on over a romantic in interest um, that, uh, you know, Mike and somebody else was politely called romantically interested in the same female. I think they said share a me, which, which share means, me. Uh, right. which there's, means there's a get, that's my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so that in, in that whole drunken thing, they try to repeat what's been done before. Uh, shooting a, this time a, a mug of beer rather than a, a, a cup of whiskey, but a mug of beer off of his longtime friend and his fellow companion and within the Ashley 100, this guy by the name of Carpenter. Um, and, you know, <laughs> Mike shot low. <laughs> Mike shot low and shot the guy. Picked a hell of a time to miss for the first time. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, after, especially after having an argument with this guy over this uh, romantic interest. And then his other longtime friend, Talbot, retaliated by uh, killing Fink using Carpenter, the guy he just shot, the Fink just shot using uh, Carpenter's pistol. So Mike missed and killed uh, Carpenter, and then Talbot uh, retaliated by using Carpenter's pistol to uh, kill Fink. So that's the, the end of uh, the Mike Fink, but in popular culture. I mean, he was all over the map with broadside ballads, dime novels, um, and then it, this is also before the, the Civil War, so his uh, legend grows, uh, and then eventually, you know, Disney spins the whole thing that, you know, Davy Crockett and, and Mike Fink met on the river, and of course, uh, they had a, a the keelboat race that was uh, the end-all races type of thing, and 
Um, and it also sold, made Disney a whole lot of money. And yeah. Disney then even puts the, the, the keelboat ride in Disney World to uh, play a few. But that met uh, an untimely demise. This is the per- yes, this is the, right. the, the crux of the loser, Demir. But one thing I want to say, if I can, we don't have any Jersey connection today. Uh, it's impossible to have one. I don't think Fink ever stepped foot in Jersey. Uh, I'm sure he would have enjoyed uh, the Navisink. but <laughs> up and down the Hudson River. Yeah, he would, have, he would have been a Sandy Hook guy, nude beach and all. But um, <laughs> the thing that I want to hit real quickly, though, is that one of the guys in Ashley's expedition, uh, who was known to the men there as Old Hugh, who was not an old man, really just in his 40s, but got named Old Hugh, was Hugh Glass, who, get this, was an American frontier legend of a mountain man himself because he had been mauled, uh, by a grizzly bear and left for dead, but he did not die. He instead then literally crawled and scavenged his way back to uh, civilization, wow. uh, which would his story was wild and was later turned into a major motion picture starring Leonardo DiCaprio called The Revenant. No shit. That is the yeah. true story of Hugh Glass. Now, they, they add a couple things in there. I think they add like... Uh, um, like him going after the guys who left him and stuff like that. Like it's a whole wild story. They but, added uh, some dramatic yeah, but, flair. Hugh but Glass by, is by true. having a mountain man being mauled by a bear and, and living through that. Mm-hmm. And that was based uh, based on this guy Hugh Glass. Absolutely. Yeah, that was like fighting a T Rex. You know, uh, grizzlies are still badass to this day because they're terrifying. You see a black bear in the woods, you're probably going to live. You see a grizzly bear in the woods, yeah. enjoy the documentary they make about you 40 years after the bear shits out the footage. I mean, with, the, with that whole bear thing, too, when Lewis and Clark did their expedition for the Louisiana Purchase, going back to uh, Jefferson's administration, um, they heard um, stories about grizzly bears. Now, these are Easterners. They're, they're used to black bears and, and shooting black bear and fighting black bear and everything else. And now they're hearing stories about as you go out west, you're going to come across this thing called a grizzly bear. And they're, they're saying, you know, Lewis and Clark, they're saying it's, that's BS. There's no way that something can be like that until one of the guys on the Lewis and Clark expedition comes across a grizzly bear for the first time. <laughs> Why is that furry mountain moving towards us? <laughs> yeah, really. Right. And it's a mean mountain. Um, and yeah, keep in so, mind, you don't have an automatic weapon to take them out with. You have... Uh, a, good, a skilled shot in combat could fire three, three rounds in a minute with a brown best musket. So if you're one guy by yourself, you got to. That was the thing with Hugh Glass. He actually claims to uh, uh, have have fought the bear with a knife. Yeah, and if you got a bear that can do 30 miles an hour on the on the run, you're not going to get three rounds off in a in a minute because it's nope. going to be on top of you before that you know before that minute is up. Yeah. Um, so wild shit there. Now, we're going to conclude before we throw to Kahuna for a casting couch on our way out. Um, the Disney boat ride, Mike Fink's keel boat rides, not really uh, – th- there's still one that you can see that's in Disney – now, correct me. I always screw this up. Disney World? Disney World is in Florida. Okay, Disney that's the one Land I've been to. is in uh, California. And Disneyland was the first one, right? right? So in Disneyland, I believe, Mike Fink's keel boat – there's one of them that's still left in, like, one of the river country areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but it's just parked off to the side. It's yeah. no longer a like an attraction. An active, right. active ride. Because the original ride used to be you'd get on one of these keelboats, and there'd be it was a motorized thing, of course, and then the, the tour guide or whatever would take you out onto the river, and you'd see, like, the adventures. And, of course, Davy Crockett was so popular that that was a massive attraction back then, kind of like Frozen is now for Disney. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they there's things that are time-honored in Disney, and then there's stuff that they – they scale back on like Pirates of the Caribbean was my favorite thing as a kid, and then when I went back to it after the movies came out, I was like, man, they changed a lot of that. Um, not, and I didn't even necessarily disagree with it, but that's the rolling with the times here. But the original ride started to have a couple of uh, incidents because uh, perhaps uh, the engineers weren't as skilled at uh, maneuvering the river on a keelboat as old Mike Fink was. You remember some of the stories, Dad? Yeah, there was uh, one incident where they were crashing into. Into, into stuff, and then there was one incident where the, the keelboat sank. I mean, uh, and <laughs> right there, as, as people are getting on it, and I it would keep going. No, that, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, as far as I know, that, that they got onto this keelboat, they're bringing it out into the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the lazy river or whatever the, the river adventure, of Americas. The river of. <laughs> Yeah, all right. That I do know. I remember that. This this thing sank. Well, obviously, there's going to be some repercussions when your your guests in in Disneyland are uh, 
now uh, swimming in the water (laughs) we got to go for a water rescue um i will say though you know why i find that so particularly funny that that happened those the boats that run up and down that river are controlled by a track like how do you fuck up that badly (laughs) that you get off the track but damn that's wild that you that you could still see it. I like that though that they didn't just scrap it outright. I think yeah. Well, they tried to bring it back, and then it was you know diminishing returns too. That again, as Kevin pointed out, it, they had to go with uh, something that was more currently Disney than uh, right. than Davy Crockett. But uh, you know they were they were onto the the next uh, craze for the next generation. But that's why you see all these Disney uh, classics that are re released from time to time too. That um, True. Kids today don't know what was a hot ticket 20 years ago, but uh, um, I know, you know they're still going to be able to well. find that fascinating. Well, you know, some of that collector's stuff. Edition, yeah. So. Some of that stuff, by the way, that was used for the River World and the Frontierland and stuff like that for Disney was then uh, turned into uh, a great Disney movie, uh, The Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. Um, when that came out, that was a New Orleans themed movie uh, that took place uh, kind of on the bayou, if you will. So a lot of that stuff got brought back in. So now the Princess and the Bride is now the reason why there's the the you know the um, not sort of the keel boats, but the, that the part river of the, boats and yeah. the, the New Orleans aesthetic. Oh yeah, so you've moved yeah, away the from Princess it. and the Frog. Yeah, you move right. away from uh, Davy Crockett and you've moved into Coon. I know you know the name of the princess. Who was it? I don't remember. Fuck off. I know. It, <laughs> oh, um, Tiana. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kahuna. Sorry, Sunquist family. I love that. <laughs> I had to prove a point. Kahuna just rolled his sleeves up. He's got a tattoo of each one of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm teasing, buddy. Uh, I want. I'm very curious. So we've we've given you a good idea of the guy that Disney turned him into, and then the real life guy, uh, and then a little bit of the tall tale version of him. So if we made a Mike Fink movie now, who is the casting couch going to make the phone call to? All right. So I got three options. One is clearly a joke, just because I think it'd just be. Funny as hell for the juxtaposition. And then the other two choices, one is an absolute who's who I would do it. The other is uh, maybe. Uh, so my joke choice, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious because you're Tom expecting. Tom Cruise is a joke to you? I think it would be hilarious. I think it, like, because what you've described is a big dude. I'm, oh, you're... okay, I get it. <laughs> five foot four. <laughs> you then hear about Mike Fink and he's five foot four and it's all that. I think that would be funny. But if if I was to actually cast, I would pick Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy, but also WWE fame. Or I think he was. Yeah, also, no, he was. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would go a similar route. I have one person in mind that could play Mike Who is it? correctly. That's right, Hulk Hogan, brother. All right. <laughs> He is. If it uh, weren't for some uh, some little things he's said over the years, I would agree. Uh, what's <laughs> um, it's a wild stuff with that. Uh, I do think um, I think Fink would have an interesting movie nowadays too. And then I would not mind Disney trying to come back out with a, a ride similar to that because that was some cool stuff. They probably yeah. they probably will be because they got something in the works right now that I've been following for a minute. They really? have a they have a Jungle Cruise movie coming out. Oh, so that's cool. We got water, we got trees. So I we wouldn't got be bushes. surprised if they reuse the old boats. Yeah, it's Humphrey Bogart's The African Queen, the ride. Disney <laughs> don't throw shit away. No, that's no, awesome, no, no. dude. Just repurpose that stuff. Yeah. So LP, do you have the anything Muppets else on the way out? Or? Slap a paint a coat of paint on there and we'll call it something else and still make money off of it. Yeah, people wonder why I don't like Frozen. They replace Muppets 3D at fucking Disney. Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding. Wait, yeah. Muppets 3D is gone? Yeah, and one of the parks, I think the one in California, is gone. Oh, okay. I only went to the one in Florida, and that was one of my favorite things. Uh, it's that... a frozen theater now. <laughs> Jesus. I haven't seen those. but right, um, Taking away your childhood. Yeah. <laughs> LP, anything on the way out for Mike Fink? No, I, I think we're, we're, plug. we're pretty good on, on Michael. I mean, again, he, did he actually, uh, was he a real-life person? Yeah. Was he uh, you know, expanded upon, if you will, with some of his exploits? Absolutely. Certainly. Um you know, if you want to say that you uh, were were killed because of a, a drunken brawl by somebody shooting uh, whiskey off your head or uh, by the loser of that particular game's friend, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they, they would probably classify him as a loser. I have the loser. Um, right. 
No, that part's fascinating. The NRA uh, training would have to say that you know you never want to mix uh, alcohol with with firearms. So uh, that's a, <laughs> you should mind their own. Maybe there's a point there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but uh, as we wrap this one up, guys, I, I had a great time doing this one for you. Um, again, if you guys want it for five bucks, it gets you in on the Patreon. Our episode about the Rosenberg, uh, Rosenbergs has been quite well received. Um, they are the first, uh, one of the only married couples to ever both receive the death penalty. So go ahead and check them out. Fascinating story of espionage, communism, and atomic weapons. Uh, Mike Fink, again, this is one of our regular weekly episodes here, so that one is allowed to be uh, done for you guys because the people over at Patreon who are supporting the show are helping me be able to continue to do this. I can't afford to do it anymore. I need a little bit of help here. Five bucks a month is all we're asking. That's one large coffee. That's all we're asking for. And I'll give you a goddamn free episode every month. So that being said, thank you so much to anybody. If you can't afford to support us, I get it. Just enjoy the free episodes. Maybe leave us a written review on iTunes. It certainly helps push us up in the rankings. We're starting to show up on a lot more stuff now, too. So the goal is to watch that continue to climb. Uh, the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much everything. Uh, and I love that. I love anybody who shares the stuff when we put it up on the Facebook. Uh, I have to get an official Facebook group going for it, which I'll have done uh, hopefully by the time this episode airs. And uh, that being said, guys, follow me on KP Burke on Facebook, KP Burke Sucks on Instagram, American Loser Podcast on Instagram, and you can follow my father on Craigslist. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to go with uh, Facebook uh, Marketplace or whatever that is. <laughs> uh, certainly not Angie's list. No. But anyway, uh, guys, on behalf of uh, the Kahuna, Lawrence Patrick, and myself, guys, that was Mike Fink, American Loser. the day I was born.